A bunch of things must have gone wrong if you're listening to this. Okay, we are recording, and my name is Andy Goodman, and normally I would be joined by my partner in crime, Gregory William Bailey, but he could not make it today, so I am, we are actually recording in what is without a doubt the most professional recording studio we have ever been in, and that is... Thanks to our guest speaker, uh, Tall Spear. So Tall is going to be joining me, and we are in it's Beef Studios, correct? Beef Studios, that's right. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure having you guys, man. Absolutely. So <clears throat> it's been a couple of years since we've been recording, um, and you know, lately I've just really been wanting to get back at it. Kind of ramped up the the Instagram account, just like sharing sc- uh, random screenshots on my phone. It's ridiculous how many random '80s screenshots I have on my phone. Um, Do you find that like the hashtags and stuff are helping you too, like to get more followers? Random people liking you and things. I get very random people liking me, but like it's never a huge amount. But I just yeah. sit there and put it out there anyway. But. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 hashtags for like hashtag eighties, hashtag the eighties, hashtag eighties movies. Yeah, you'll get random people liking things. Yeah, uh, it's worked for me a and little I, bit. And I follow those hashtags, so they come up in my feed, and I see random things, and I like it. So yeah. it's two ways, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like kind of like a karma right. thing too. Like you follow people that follow you. But uh, um, so uh, for from about two thousand eighteen to two thousand twenty. Uh, Gregory, William Bailey, and I recorded a handful of podcasts under the nomiker of Quato's Rebellion. But um, in the past few months, we've wanted to do a rebrand and a restart and a refresh and a rename. So we're actually renaming this podcast. Still going to be the same content, but we are renaming it. And the name of this podcast is now called The Leftover Crap. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You tell me I'm the crap? Uh, this is not true. Well, wait a minute, Julius. I want to hear this. You tell me that I am the leftover crap, that I'm no good? He's wrong. Like it. Yeah? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, What's the story behind it? Okay, so the leftover crap, first of all, is a deep cut 80s reference to the movie Twins, uh, Danny DeVito, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great movie. I think that was Arnold Schwarzenegger's first foray into comedy. That's right. And uh, it turns out he's fucking funny. Um, but at some point, you know, if you've ever seen the movie, you know that, you know, they figure out that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character and Danny DeVito, they're twins. They were made in a lab. Arnold got all of the good genes of, you know, physical fitness, strength. Uh, you know, knowledge, all that stuff, grew up on a like a remote tropical island, like best up- upbringing ever. Right. And uh, Danny DeVito's character, Vincent, 
got everything else. He was short, fat, low income, you know, like, you know, struggle from job to job. He was, as he put it, the leftover crap. So we went with that name. It was also a working title when bat, way back, you know, in 2018, we were spitballing titles. That was one of our working titles okay. was the leftover crap. There was um, an initial like, like kind of like top list or short list, I should say of, um, of names. You yeah, it was, of. it was on our short list of names. We went with Quato's rebellion back then, but now we're changing it to leftover crap. And then also I, I think that it, it perfectly sums up where we are on the podcast on the podcast landscape. Um, because if you found yourself listening to this, then this is the leftover crap of podcasts. <laughs> um, you know, like, like I said, we started in 2018, had a, had a, had a decent run during that year. Um, and then things slowed down significantly. And in the meantime, like everybody, you know, started putting out podcasts and, to be quite honest, if we are the least popular 80s movie podcast, I am totally okay with that because that means there's a lot of really good content out there for people. So totally, totally. I think I think it's it's one of those things where like you're happy for the community, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love share. I you know, there's a there's <clears throat> there's a huge community of like 80s and 90s and nostalgia content creators out there. They're putting out really good stuff. And honestly, if you're catching this, we appreciate it. Um, and if you like it, you know, keep listening because we plan to put out some some more stuff here. Um, but, you know, kind of true to form, we did, you know, pick a movie to watch. Um, I told Tall today to watch it. Um, he'd never seen it before, never even heard of it, but... Um, it's one that, that I remember vividly growing up. I think it, you know, it ran through HBO or Showtime, whatever movie channel it was on. And it is, uh, Gleaming the Cube. Adults are predictable. They expect you to behave as though what you do today is going to have an effect on where you'll be in 30 years. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that there's going to be anything in 30 years. I don't know what's worse, you know? Being blown up in a nuclear war or having a 7-Eleven on every corner. You want it to be just like you? I think maybe if I had your haircut, I could sell more policies. Or maybe if I had your mouth, I could close okay, the deal every okay. day. Give him a break. Giving him too many. They love you, you know? Yeah, they don't know what to think of me. Maybe I am as bad as they say. Who says? Everyone. You're different. They're living under this illusion that life as we know it is going to continue forever. I'm in trouble. You got a B-plus in calculus? It was an accident. He killed my brother. You're not listening to me. No, you're the one who's not listening. It was a suicide. They killed my brother. No one knows anything except a kid on a skateboard. It happened right here. I'm no. not lying. You gotta hear what it sounds like from where I'm standing. Everybody knows that you're blaming yourself for the way that he died, but I want you to know that your friends can still think about you. Somebody had to shake their tree. You said so yourself. Oh, yeah. By the rules. You got your team, I got mine. I guess we all do unexpected things sometimes, don't we? Gleaming the Cube. 
Gleaming the Cube, a, a, a skateboard movie, basically, if you wanted to sum it up really quickly. So, so the one thing, you know, Andy, when you gave me this assignment today with a three-hour <laughs> uh, warning, I, I took it seriously and I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try to cliff's notes through it in between mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would say shamefully, but then it's not really shamefully. I've not heard of this movie before. Also... To your listeners, um, you know, that, that haven't heard me before because I'm a guest speaker on today's episode and everything. I'm a foreigner. So I grew up uh, uh, in Israel where we had some American movies, but certainly not this one, to my knowledge. Also, I'm, I'm a bit ignorant sometimes on things like this. That said, the first thing I recognize is the guy from Scarface. And uh, today I learned his name. <laughs> um, and then right as you were, you were showing up at the studio, uh, I was watching that scene... Uh, Whichever was on there a second ago, I just went blank on it, and um, it's basically the, the the end of the movie, right? It's yeah. one of the the scenes, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Christian Slater is in it, of course, and then Tony Hawk I saw okay, on so, the credits. So uh, tell me about that. Okay, I didn't know he did things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point. So so Gleaming the Cube is it's a skateboard movie, right? So there was a a period probably from like I would say eighty six to ninety six. Uh, where they put out, I guess you could call them, like, ex- at, for at the time, like, extreme sport movies, right? You have Rad with BMX. Um, you know, we want to get into the 90s, Airborne with rollerblading, um, which is a great movie, by the way. And then there was this one, uh, Gleaming the Cube. There's also been some, I think there was, like, BMX Bandits came out, Thrashing was one, but uh, Gleaming the Cube sort of, like, held a place um, because like a lot of time, like let's say take rad where we, which we podcasted about uh, back in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rad is like a basic, it, it, it kind of has the sports movie construct, right? You have this underdog uh, who's trying to win a race to get money to, you know, get out of town kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. This deviates heavily from that, trope and it's a like legit it tries to go like murder investigation but at the end of the day it's a it's a skateboard movie. yeah um and so because it's a skateboard movie you need a big skateboarder and tony hawk was the guy at the time but he was also super young he's 18 years old so he did a pretty sure and i'll have to check imdb on this but i think he was uh christian slater stunt double really yep so so Again, uh, shows my ignorance here. I, I guess I did not realize. I mean, obviously, I I know who Tony Hawk is. Back in the nineties, I was playing the Tony Hawk, you know, games on the PlayStation and stuff. I guess I did not realize that he was already sort of a figure in this world in the late eighties. Um. I so okay. Let me back up. I don't think he was. Um, is this what kind of got his ju- his his no, start? No, no, no. I think he was just. Okay, so now that I'm reading on the IMDb's, I may have just been completely wrong on all of this. I just, I don't know if he was actually the stunt double for Christian Slater. I'm looking at the IMDb trivia right now, which is always very reliable. Okay, well, fuck it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so, you know, let's just let's just go, let's just start from the beginning, right? So... Basically, the movie takes place in Orange County. You've got Christian Slater, you know. Uh, did you watch the opening? Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the opening? 
the opening graphics. With the airplane, like you talking about, like when no, like before the before the movie begins, like the graphics. Did you see that? Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, nothing that comes to mind is a memorable. It was like thing. the cheapest, shittiest intro opening I've ever seen. The music, yeah, the music caught my attention. It's cheapy eighties mm-hmm. midi, like. Typical Karate right. Kid, but worse. It's music. a title track. It's title like a track. title. A title track. The name of the song is "Gleaming the Cube." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we'll get into that the 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 that phraseology, "Gleaming the Cube." But um, so yeah, we have that. We start off with this airport scene. Yeah. And what we're really doing is we're establishing that these guys are kind of like outsiders, right? They're kind of like ne'er do wells, right? Yeah. Because if you were skateboarding in the late eighties, you're kind of like like a punk, like a. It was like you're saying it was like they're out not outcast, but the word I'm trying to think of like they they were misunderstood misunderstood exactly and they were screw ups kind of go back ups. to that like that's what Christian Slater would constantly call himself uh, was a screw up and we'll get into that a little bit because uh, he actually was not a screw up <laughs> at all um, but so we're and so they they have this this. Uh, this 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 scheme that they're running, where they know a pilot at at the random or John Wayne right. uh, airport. There's a great airport, by the way, nice yeah. and small. Um, and so they hop in. They they pay this guy who's trying to get his pilot's license to take them in a little prop plane to check out. And what are they looking for? You remember what they're looking for? What minute of the movie is that? Oh God, this is this is the beginning, the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. But I promise I watched it no, because no, I was I, multitasking. No. They're looking for empty swimming pools. That's right, to go and then they have pipe it. <laughs> that part I saw. And then the, that's they're, when they They're come. looking for empty swimming pools so that they can go and trespass and skateboard inside. And so they find one. We kind of get introduced to his his cadre of people. Um, one of which is named Yabo, um, who might be my favorite character in the movie. And that's, that's, um, who's, who's the guy doing that? Dude, Yabo is, okay, Yabo is played by a guy named Max, Max, excuse me, Max Perlick. Okay. Max Perlick, you, the only thing you would probably know him from other than this movie is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. He was, uh, what was he in it? He was just a random student in the class taught by Ben Stein, the great Ben Stein, you know, Bueller. Oh, I know Ben Stein. Yeah, yeah with Ben Stein's money. Right. The the day, yeah. <clears throat> so he was he- one of the guys in the class, and he, you know, his, his name gets called, and he just has this punk look on his face, and he's like, here. Um, so we meet Yabo, and Yabo is like uh, Christian Slater, Brian Ke- who, whose character's name is Brian Kelly. That's his, his go-to guy. Uh, on one of his takes, uh, one of Yabo's, you know, runs through the pool, slips, falls, hits his head, right? <laughs> and starts bleeding in the pool, right? And then they get, so then they're busted, okay? That's when the guy comes right and the, and the, that's the cops and all of that. That's, that and we get, we get cops and we get two detect. So we get, so we get, uh, f- four or five high school kids trespassing on someone's property to skateboard. Yeah. One of them gets hurt. And all of a sudden we have like 20 cops and two <laughs> detectives. <laughs> it gets a little overkill. Yeah. You would think you're watching like Miami Vice mm-hmm. at that point or something. But it's important because these detectives are instrumental throughout the entire movie. Right. So, <clears throat> and we've got Detective Lucero. 
Played by Stephen Bauer, who you texted me about earlier today. Right. Which up until today was known to me as the guy from Scarface and Ray Donovan and Breaking Bad. Correct. So yes. he is uh, he is Tony Montana's brother in Scarface. Is his brother was like best friend? I don't know if they're, they're I actually... they were brother. Uh, I thought they were. I mean, I could be wrong about this completely, but I could swear that they were like. Immigrants, they both came together. They were in the same gang back in the day. You could be right. It's been a long time since I've seen. Uh, and then he falls in love. Yeah, because. because he falls in he love falls with, with Michelle, with, Michelle says, Pfeiffer. No, that's that's uh, Al Pacino. He falls in love with Al Pacino's oh, sister. Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio. Yeah, that's right. So that's why it, that's why they cannot be unless it's be a bad right, case right, right, of like right, of right, like right, incense. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. Incest. <laughs> um. And then he was also the cartel leader in Breaking Bad. Like, he's had a great career, and he's awesome in this. I love Detective Lucero. Yeah, and I know we talked about, just side note, Ray Donovan, I know we talked a little bit about it. He's great in that. Okay. So, highly recommended. Okay. You know, basically, Brian gets, you know, caught up in this little, you know, he gets caught by the police, so to speak. And then, you know, his, you know, gets taken in, you know, home by his dad. And and then we see his dad is played by Ed Lauder. Uh, that's, you know, Mr. Kelly. And he's like, he's been in like 200 things and he is like a classic. Once you see him, you know, exactly. He's a, that guy. Yeah. Um, he was in real genius. He was in, um, if you need, if you needed a square father (laughs) disciplinarian figure, he was the guy stern faced, (laughs) um, kind of like the guy in the beginning of, um, it was also in those movies, the uh, uh, Twisted Sister music video. Uh, we're not going to take it like the the the, the, oh, the yeah, stern yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, like yes, yes, yes. yeah. Who's that? That's Niedermeyer in Animal House. I don't know his real name name in real life, but yeah, yes. yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you've covered him in one of your episodes. Or no, no, point. never have. Honestly, never have, never have. So, oh, so tell so so. so I see. You know, a lot of you guys that are listening to this obviously are not seeing what mm-hmm. you're hearing, but Andy's got a notebook with a lot of notes that like, I'm personally, first of all, I must say that only second to me, he's got the second or third worst handwriting that I know of. Mine is definitely worse, <laughs> but he's up there. He's a, he's a fellow lefty. Mm-hmm. So I've always blamed my shitty handwriting on being left-handed. Um, nonetheless, he's got a lot of notes. So Andy, Go it's your notes. show, bro. Yeah. Th- th- <laughs> like Phil, you know, tell, tell, tell us like, okay, so, what, so what, what, what's, what this is. So basically I go through and I, 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 you know, I try to jot down things that I feel like are somewhat important or things that I want to gloss over. Like the fact that they had all those cops and detectives, which I thought was overkill, but also, you know, you know, the, the airport scene is the first skateboarding scene of this movie. And there's Crap. really only five skateboard other than the fact that they use skateboards as their like mode of transportation. Uh-huh. There's really only like five skateboarding scenes in this movie. And that's what, ta- and that's kind of like, you know, what, what kind of moves the movie along. Okay. So after they get home, after, you know, dad picks him up, he's really pissed. You know, we see that Brian's brother is Vietnamese. Okay. Huh. And this is a very important element because the entire movie is really shapes around the like interplay between Brian and the, his Vietnamese brother. Okay. Okay. So, and the brother is, so he's an adopted brother. He's an adopted Vietnamese brother. And he is, of course, if Brian's the screw up, then 
is the golden child. Got it. Got it. Got it. it. Um, And so they kind of have like this interplay. They share a bedroom. And of course, Vin's bedroom is perfectly nice and neat. And Brian, who has, it was the skateboarder, has posters up on his wall, his bed's made, his clothes everywhere. Um, So we get this kind of like, I guess. Dichotomy of. Yes. This sort of like antagonistic. Yeah. uh, Relationship that we're trying to set up. Two opposites, like if you will. Yeah. Yes. A yin and a yang. So to speak. Yin and a yang. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, But, but I will say, and if Brian is the screw up and Vin is the golden child. Okay. Really quick before I give anything. Well, I mean, whatever you guys have seen this already. So, (laughs) you know, except for me, but yeah. But here's the thing, right? So, <laughs> okay, you have a son. You have yeah. two sons, right? I have a son. So if your son was skateboarding every day, uh-huh. how would you feel about that? In the context of today's yes, world or context, back in the day? No, 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 in the context of today's world. I would actually be happy. Wouldn't you be thrilled that he's getting out there and getting exercise like every that, fucking day? That his face is not glued to the iPad. Um, I would be, in fact, I would promote it. So skateboarding in the late 80s was a sign of you are a screw up. Right. Right. Um, and But Vin is the golden child. Vin, right. Before, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead here. Vin smokes in his room, smokes cigarettes in his room. Yeah, in the which bedroom. Nobody does today, right? Even a, even bad people, quote, bad boys. Quote, he quote. sneaks out of his bedroom to hang out with a girl. Which, <laughs> if you're if you're 16 years old, like if you caught your if if uh, if your son was when he's 16 sneaking out with a girl, how would I? Same type of question about the skateboard. Like, yeah. how would I feel? Putting all of your like toxic masculinity, like yeah, like that's my son, kind of feelings aside. <laughs> You know, it's it's an interesting question because I think uh, the short of it would be, I just hope he's not a dumbass and, and it's out of my control. I would feel it's out of my control, so I, I better just tell him to be careful because uh, he's going to do it anyways because I know I did back in the day. So there's really not much I can do about it. If it was a girl, it's a different story, but we're talking about sons. Um, but that's that's kind of the long-winded answer. Mm-hmm. So I, I would feel nothing. Okay. Just hoping that, you know, he doesn't fuck up. Okay. But then he also does some little, a little light breaking and entering. Yeah. That's no. <laughs> no okay. That's so, different. So for the next, uh, for the next couple of scenes, we get like Brian and Vin, we meet Vin and then we find out Vin, you know, Vin is, uh, Brian's adopted Vietnamese brother and Vin works for uh, another Vietnamese guy, right? A Vietnamese guy, Colonel track. Right. And he's dating Colonel tracks, daughter, Tina, who Tina was uh, Tara in Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. Great movie if you haven't seen it. That I have, but again, we're talking 20 plus years mm-hmm. ago, maybe I saw it. And so, Ben, he is working for Colonel Track, which is presumably a video store, which is what it looks like. But v- Colonel Track is um, running something that's called the Vietnamese Anti-Communist Relief Fund. That's a mouthful. Yeah, dude. Um, but uh, just one thing that I just remember, and this is just, it's been so long since I've seen this movie, so it was really a lot of fun watching it today. Um, man, the Vietnam, like in the 80s, the Vietnam War was such a hot item to talk about. Why is that? 10 years after it ended or just because it was still, it was still, it was the, it was because it was 
I think looking back on it now, you know, I was, I was eight, nine, 10 years old at the time. So the Vietnam war was, it was recent history. It was significant history because it was the last, you know, big American conflict. Um, you know, but it it just, there was a like, like full metal jacket came out in the eighties, you know, uh, it was um, fresh in, in, in like, like society's mind. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, no, it was, makes sense. It was a very controversial war effort. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't something that, that the United States wanted. And then looking back, there's a lot of information that came out that's really interesting about the Vietnam War. And, and disturbing of that, too. Uh, yeah. Probably for another podcast, you know, for, for the history. Buff. Watch, but the, it, watch the post if you haven't yeah. seen it. Very good. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a, a lot of... So basically what you're saying is it was in the psyche of American society, especially yes. as related to immigrants of people or people of, of that Yes. yes. And of course, it's anti-communist relief fund. And, and if there's one thing that American pop culture likes to pit as an enemy above everything else, it's communists. Right. We love to be against the communists. Well, okay. this is Cold War. You're talking like this is the peak of the Cold War, right. and obviously that, that's what it was, okay. it was so, all about. So Vin is working for Colonel Track, and he's doing some some reconciliation of uh, some shipping supplies. Figures out there's something off. Uh, sees that there's some weird thing with Westpac medical supply, and what does he do? Vin is going to do is, you know, ask some questions about it, mm-hmm. which are, you know, and uh, he does his own investigation, right? <clears throat> so he breaks into Westpac medical supply, um, of course, gets caught, quickly gets uh, caught, and then basically is interrogated and tortured. Like, we are uh, not 15 minutes. Did you watch the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. But, 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 I, I guess the punchline here is that it starts on a, on a, on a, what, on a, on a heavy note or like pretty intense, like you think you're going to watch something else. I guess where are you going, where are you going with this? Because, yeah, it, it is a bit like, oh, shit, is getting interrogated. What's going on? Right. I mean, I guess I'm just kind of like going through plot points. Yeah. So uh, I'm not really, I'm just, you know. Um, it's, no, but the communism, because you, you made a good point about that, right? There's the, 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 it, was, it was in the psyche and then he gets interrogated. He gets, in, he gets interrogated. And so one of the, so it's, uh, it's this, this uh, older white guy uh-huh. who we'll find out later is named Lawndale, right? And this younger, uh, you know, ostensibly another Vietnamese guy. Okay. Okay, and uh, that it turns out to be Bobby Wynn. That's the character's name, um, and he is played by. So Bobby Wynn is played by a guy named Peter Kwong. Peter Kwong, you may know him. Going back to Big Trouble in Little China, hmm. is Rain, one of the three storms, and honestly, the most kick-ass storm. So he 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 does this wet paper towel. And it's almost like waterboarding, right? It's this wet paper towel and he wraps it around his neck. <laughs> waterboarding. <laughs> right? Um, wet paper towel wraps around his neck and, and Lawndale's digging him for information, right? Remember, this is a skateboarding movie. Um, and so, you know, without getting too much into the nitty gritty, right, uh, Bobby Wynn accidentally kills Ben, right? And so then they have to cover it up, make it look like a suicide, right? They're at a hotel room, um, which I don't know if you noticed this, but when the maid opens up the door or the windows at the of the hotel room, did you notice what what was outside? 
What minute of the movie is that roughly? Dude, I don't know what the minutes are. Well, I, I told you, and to your audience here, guys, in full disclosure, I'm just a studio grunt. Like, I got I got heads up three hours before to watch the movie, and I did. The Cliff's Notes covered enough. <laughs> you got to give me credit here, Andy. Like, I, I did my best as a non-80s yeah, uh, 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 aficionado the, is the word. I, I will tell you, I will tell you the fact that your that your that your lone text related to this movie was about <laughs> Stephen Bauer being in Scarface says like that's everything you need to know. That's and like, probably everything the audience needs everything, to know. Everything yeah. it's like it's like yes. Yeah, so you yeah. hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We set the plot of who who I am and what I know or don't know for that matter. So Maid opens the door. It's actually the uh, the Matterhorn at Disneyland. Oh, so okay. that's why I figured you would know because you have a you have a strong Disney uh, connection with your wife. Yeah, it's more like um, it's an aura that that traps me in there. But but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> we love Disney. I love Disney. If my wife ever listens to this, Disney's the best. Okay. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So Vin is uh act like murdered accidentally, and they cover it up, make it look like a suicide. Maid at the hotel finds him. You know, like, looks like they set it up as, uh, like, he hung himself, um, which again brings in the detectives. So we have Detective Lucero again, and also Detective McGill, right, played by the great, uh, Detective McGill, played by the great Charles Cyphers. Tell me about him. Charles Cyphers, you may know him as Charlie Donovan from the movie Major League. Okay. Right? Charlie Donovan, GM of the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, another In movie that league. I did see, but again, years and years and years and years. But yeah, okay, that's good to know. Fun, fun fact: I've probably seen the movie Major League more than any other movie in my entire life. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not to sidetrack, but why? Why do you think that is? So, me and my brother would always watch movies almost every night. You know, just growing up, yep. we had that one on uh, VHS, and we just that was just like our constant go-to constant constant go-to like and we watched a lot of movies yeah more than anything some for some reason that was our go-to well you're you're a big baseball guy i used to be yeah not so much anymore but used to be a huge 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 baseball yeah yeah i mean i uh, that's another topic for your audience but Mm -hmm. st louis cardinals winning the world series way back in the day for the first time that was uh, a thing to say the least so I know, I've always known you as a baseball guy, so that doesn't surprise me. Right, right, right. Um, but that's interesting, though. Out of all movies, I know. Huh. Right. So okay. Um, okay. So we have we have Detective Lucero, Detective McGill, um, otherwise known as Charlie Donovan of the Cleveland Indians. Um, okay. So at this point, I like this because um, Detective Lucero kind of stands up. Uh, against racial stereotyping in this movie. And there was so much racial stereotyping that went on in 80s movies. It's it's, almost, it's honestly it's sometimes uncomfortable to watch, but sure. so you've got this ho- this motel owner or this motel attendant who's, you know, talking about a Chinese kid, right, who checked into the hotel. Detective Lucero was like he was Vietnamese. And the the guy goes, "They all look the same." Right? Which is a, you know, inc- you know, very racially insensitive thing yeah, to say. You, you, uh, unbelievable so. Like, unbelievably so. You can't say that today. And, Lu- and, and Lucero was like, no, they don't. Like, he, like, he's staying, like, I was like, hell yeah, Lucero. Yeah. So. Well, you can argue then it was actually progressive in a sense that they had the one guy saying almost a, uh, not a racial slur, but saying something racist, and he was corrected and challenged Correct. by somebody in the yes. movie. Yeah, I would say that that is progress- more progressive than we'd think. Um 
Did you like any of the tech in this movie? I have a note written down because during Bobby or during uh, Vin's sort of investigation, he has a little laptop. Did you notice that? Here's what I did notice. So, so no, like the, the technology, the technology that did catch my attention. And mm-hmm. again, uh, you you would probably think it's it's kind of funny, but also sad. Is in the very beginning, which the the, the, the main part I paid attention to and had mm-hmm. time to watch. I see American Airlines planes at the airport that looked exactly like they did up until like a few years ago. Um, and it made me nostalgic cause it was an MD 80 and they were sure. like on the, on the, on the fucking sure, sure, runway. Sure. Sure. Like, I mean this, this was like shot on site kind of thing. Yeah. Like you can't stunt film that. Right. And technical or not, I don't know that you could do that today, you know, like with, with whatever budget to shoot like on the fucking runway um, as they did. But nonetheless, that kind of caught my attention a little bit. But no, I did not see the laptop. Okay. Tell us so, about that. No, no, no. I mean, it was just or the like, specs. It was something that I just <laughs> wrote down. I was like, man, the 1989 tech is killer. You have this. Game Boy. La- uh, that was my like n- early 90s more so. It was just you had this laptop. You've got, you know, Vin, you know, Vin, uh, Vin entering, you know, just the the classic you know, gray, brown, black monitor, cathode ray tube monitor entering in the green text, Yeah, you know, yeah. and things like that. Like I just, and it shit. wasn't a fictional computer. It was actually a computer of the times. I For guess, sure. Back, oh yeah. There's then, no, yeah. yeah, no, this is not a techno. This is not a tech movie. They're just, they're, they were using the tech of the time. Of the time. Yes. Um, is that, so again, just looking at your notes, I know you've got things to go through, but, but maybe the audience wants to know this. I want to know this selfishly. Like, do you go back and have like nostalgia about the the, the text specifically? Because after like after you answer, I'll give you my take on what I remember and feel from like late eighties tech, so to speak. It, you, when you talked about the laptop, I saw like the audience can see. I I I, I mm-hmm. saw like a mm-hmm. gleam in your mm-hmm. your eye. Mm-hmm. Tell just tell me about okay. that. Okay, so I I get nostalgic about some things, and I get sort of like shockingly surprised about others. I'm yeah. like. So I see the Vin who, and I never remembered this and nobody would until watching it today. I was like, holy shit, he's got a fucking laptop, which laptops are now ubiquitous, right? Everybody's got a laptop. All right. And if you like everybody has a fucking laptop. Right. Okay. And so the fact that I'm seeing him in 1989, I'm like, holy shit, there were fucking laptops back then. Like, I don't remember that shit. Um, nobody ha- like personal computers were not a thing back in nineteen. Not laptops, anyways. That's for damn sure. I, so I was like really surprised to see that. Okay. I will get nostalgic, and then later on, uh, Brian is in a pool hall doing his own investigation. I get nostalgic when I see like cabinet arcade games, yeah, being played. Like yeah. that's when I'm like, ah, yeah. Like a I, I, I hear you on that. You know, you can buy those things like mm-hmm. for a few grand, dude. Arcade One Up, they sell them for like five hundred bucks. You get like it's all the it's, fucking games on it. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Amazing. Okay. Um, okay. So another thing I have written down is that Brian is actually shockingly wise, right? And um, you know, at some point he, you know, before Vin gets murdered, they're, they're having their little back and forth. You know, he he says something like, you know. What I don't know what's worse, right? Uh, nuclear war or having a Seven Eleven on every corner, right? And it's great. It's a great line because he at and really quickly, his cynicism is like, what's worse, like geopolitical unrest, which is always a happening, yeah, or mass consumerism, 
which is also always happening. Killing the smaller neighborhood, like, shop guy, right? I yeah, think just yeah. like, I mean, you know, in today's, you know, it's maybe it's not 7-Eleven, maybe it's Starbucks, maybe it's Walmart, Walmart maybe yeah. it's Target, maybe it's whatever, but it's it's Amazon, right? Yeah. It's that. Ma- it's just like that mass consumerism that, like, takes but the eighty. And I think, to your point on the 80s, Vietnam, the era, I think that one line actually snapshots a lot because... Does he? He's like he's really wise in that with that line. Mass consumerism, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of the times. Okay, so. Yeah. All right, so um, but fast forward, you know, uh, Vin then you know gets caught up in this. He gets killed. Brian finds out, and he does. You know, he then then we get some teen angst. We get second uh, skateboard scene, which is just a basic half pipe, just him ro- rolling on the half pipe, right? Yeah, and we see that. Um, then he decides he's going to do his own investigation because he is not convinced that uh, Vin killed himself. He was not a suicidal guy. He knows there's like something, some, some other is, story there probably. Yeah. Right. Um, so he does his own investigation. Um, and then he, so he's, he finds a slip of paper in Vin's room. It's in Vietnamese. He's going down to the Vietnamese part of Orange County to find and see what it says. Right, he finds somebody, and that's that's where he goes to the pool hall, and you see some uh, arcade games in the background. Right, um, and so it turns out that Bobby Wynn finds out that he's snooping around. Bobby oh. Wynn was the guy with the with the towel. Okay, so Bobby Wynn, you know, he makes a phone call to ostensibly Lawndale. Is like, hey, this guy's investigating, and Lawndale's like, hey, take him out, right? And so then we get. <laughs> Brian somehow kind of like gets wise to the fact that he's getting followed and then turns the corner and he starts following Bobby Wynn and does some, you know, skateboarding around, hanging on the backs of people's cars. There was a lot of skateboarding and hanging on the back of cars. There's a word for that, like to do that. I forget what they call it. I don't know, but fucking Marty Marty McFly did it. And yeah, yeah. Which is so like fucking dangerous. Like, that is one thing I probably would not want my kids to do, but I, I can't say that I haven't tried doing that myself back in the day. Definitely did it. Uh, <laughs> on rollerblades. Oh, um, yep, same. And then I ended up falling and splitting my chin open, so fucking don't do it. Yeah. Um, is in he's like he ends up getting in the back of of Bobby Wynn's car. He tracks him down. You know, he he's he's getting followed. Brian's getting followed, and like escapes, but then figures out where he's going. And in the meantime, is able to sneak in the back of Bobby Wynn's car, right? The classic, like, hide in the back seat. Yeah. Right? Like, you would never notice somebody just in your back seat. Sure. You never would look behind you and notice another human being in your car, right? <clears throat> um, meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, Bobby Wynn takes a cassette tape, puts it in the tape deck, and it's a, a Vietnamese cover of Nowhere, Nowhere to Run. Here's the Vietnamese version of Nowhere to Run. They go to some discreet place, and Bobby wants... He wants out of this whole scenario. He's, you know, shit's getting too hot. He wants 50 grand and a ticket to Bangkok. He's talking to Longdale and Troc. And then a gun comes out 
And it turns out, boom, he's shot and murdered. And that's the end of Bobby Wynn. Just like that. Just like that, he's out. Brian witnesses the whole thing. And he escapes the scenario, right? And he does what a sensible person would do if they had just, if you had just witnessed a murder, what would you do? Outside of trying to just like compose myself and get my shit together. You have have witnessed a murder. You have collected your thoughts. You have escaped the situation. You're safe. Okay. Right. What would you do? Call the fucking cops. He goes to the fucking cops. He goes to the fucking detectives. The detectives that busted him out, you know, from skateboarding in the half pipe. The the detectives that were, you know, in, you know, at the hotel. Sure. He goes to detective Lucero. Right, he goes and he t- and he gets all these detectives to come out to this field where yeah. where the where the murder took place, and of course they've covered it up. There's nothing there, huh? Not not knowing that there was more to this situation, I guess, and he just trusted those detectives like that. Right, and so what what really is happening in this scene is that we get a little discussion between uh, Brian and Lucero because up until now, Lucero is very anti-Brian. Yeah. He's very like, he's busted him once at the pool. He's now, you know, his brother, you know, committed suicide and he, you know, has to deal with that. Um, And so it's like, he's becoming a nuisance. So at this point, Brian kind of opens up, right. And like, is really open about this. And he's like, I don't think my brother killed himself and nobody believes me and nobody's going to listen to me. And Lucero's like, okay, I'm listening. Like, so they have, like, this sort of bonding moment. Huh. Yeah, so. Um, no, no j- just for for a time check, where are we in the movie right we're now? We're probably, like, 45 minutes in. So we're, like, about halfway. Halfway, okay. And this is where it kind of, you know, so so really quickly it goes from, like, this is a skateboard movie to it's Brian investigating the murder of his younger, of his of his adopted brother. Would you say it's, like, it, 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 it's kind of like a thriller at that point almost? Now, in a silly way, I wouldn't call it a thriller, um, but it's not. But it's not. It's also not a sports movie, nor a comedy per se. Oh, it's definitely not a comedy. Um, but it's like any time that there's like a heavy emphasis on any type of athletic activity, right? Whether it's BMX and rad, or like even the diving component in Back to School, like it kind of like you can like is this a sports movie? Maybe, but like the whole murder investigation of this movie kind of like detracts from the fact that it's really a skateboard movie. Yeah. But it's not, a, but it's not a, and not in a bad way, right? It's just kind of a fun little thing. So, okay. Um, so at this point, uh, you know, Brian is in full investigation mode, right? And he goes to his buddy Yabo. Okay. Yabo, Max Ehrlich. Um, and he goes to Yabo's house, right? And he goes to Yabo's room. Did you see Yabo's room? Did you pay any attention to Yabo's room? I can't say. I don't think I got that far. Okay. Yabo's bedroom is actually like a subterranean domicile in his backyard. (laughs) Like, it's the most amazing thing ever. Like, you have to lift a, a manhole cover. Yeah. Like a bunker? Like a shelter? A bunker. It's a fucking bunker. Like a like a doomsday prepper kind of setup. Yeah, but it but like like a nuclear shelter. Look, I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's definitely <laughs> not like a fallout shelter or a nuclear. It's just like it's like they're trying to make it seem like these kids are so 
so such outcasts like his his bedroom is not even located like within the four walls of his house <laughs> yeah but no the, the reason i, I kind of nitpick on that is because you, you you brought it up like going back to the era mm-hmm. f- having a fallout shelter or like shelters in some some I communities guess. i never w- thought of that wasn't like it wasn't like today when it's like conspiracy theorists right, or, right, or right. like you know right back in those days people were sincere like like straight up afraid of a nuclear collision well right. with china and ussr so people did have shelters is what i'm saying maybe he took that shelter and converted it so into it's a his world, bedroom right is, and it's uh, that's fucking badass it's the fucking most badass bedroom ever right not only is it like a fallout shelter and it's outside of the house but it's also got like a little mini half pipe so yabo's just sitting there skateboarding back and forth huh. and then yabo is the one that actually is talking to brian so he's asking genuinely like hey man how you doing right and and you know brian's you know, he's, he's upset. He's sad. He's f- trying to figure shit out about this brother. And Yabo is like, dude, you gleam the cube. And that's where the whole fucking notion of the movie of the title of the movie comes in. Oh, uh, gleam the cube. Translate that real quick. Like gleam the me. cube has to do with like pu- pushing the envelope, mm. but it really, it, you know, it, he's just, what he's talking about is like, when you skate, you gleam the cube. That was like a skateboarding saying? It was like a skateboarding saying, but like no one's ever used it. And if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, you can find a lot of very vulgar (laughs) fucking definitions. (laughs) Which I'm sure is what all the audience is doing right now is speak Googling that because I know I want to. You want to go to... um... Perfect. Okay. So the, the investigation stalls a little bit, which leads to the third skateboard scene <clears throat> and this takes place in a in an, a like a construction site do you remember seeing that he's just skateboarding around in a construct in an empty construction site right and i love this scene because it reminds me of footloose when ren mccormick goes and dances in an abandoned warehouse it's like that same level of teen angst you need to be by yourself and for whatever reason you need to be by yourself and you need to do, and you need to do something physical, right? In <laughs> Ren's case, it was it was a hybrid of dance gymnastics, and in Brian Kelly's case, it's skateboarding, and it's got to be done in some type of like industrial setting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a requirement for those it's, types. It's such those a requirement, absolutely. <laughs> so I love it. It like pulls on my heartstrings, um, <laughs> and so and it allows him to clear his head a little bit. So at this point, then he goes and he talks to Tina, right? Tina's Colonel Track's daughter. That was Vin's uh, girlfriend, uh-huh. and then also Tara from Big Trouble in Little China. Right, talks to Tina to try, you know, to try and uh, figure more things out. He wants to become friends with her. Okay, but she's she can't be friends with him because number one, he's American, and number two, he dresses like a punk. Right, because he's got the the jacket with the Metallica patch on the sleeve. Yeah. He's got the uh, you know army camo pants and the hair and the earring. Right. right, like a bad, bad culture, bad influence exactly. kind of vibe, which leads us to cleanup scene, right? So, and this is the, this is a literal transformation, right? Like we don't do anything, we don't do anything very nuanced in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a cleanup scene, right? He tears down all the posters on his room. He looks for the folded up, button up shirt in his closet takes out the earring, 
cuts his hair, right? He's, like, doing this whole transformation thing. Right, and then he shows up to school, and, or, no, first he shows his mother, right? Do you remember that? You remember seeing that? Possibly. Shows his, you know, shows his mom his new luck, and his mom, who... Who is, you know, very supportive. She's a supportive mom, right? It's like she got him pads. She commented earlier about how much she liked watching him skate because he was graceful at it. Like actually like good supportive mother. Um, she sees him like this and like drops, you know, classic like glass drop right in the sink, right? <laughs> like record scratch. <laughs> yeah, like a total record scratch glass drop, right? <laughs> Um, and then he goes to school and everybody's freaking out, um, because they're used to seeing him one way and now he looks like another. Sure. And he's like immediately friends with, with Tina. Um, in, like so much so that he's going on a date with her like that night. Like he has gone from, we can't talk to each other to he's cut his hair, take his earring out and is wearing loafers and a button up shirt and they're dating. <laughs> So, so what message does that send, I guess, if you, if you want to kind of like get philosophical about it? The message that that sends is that we have uh, a shoestring budget and we have to fucking fit this in. <laughs> <laughs> we have to make this work somehow. So. <laughs> or is it, if, if, if you want to get deeper, it looks kind of R or war everything like like the guy cleans up and suddenly she's interested yes and actually she straight up says at you know when he's dressed like a punk she says look at you like look at you like we can't date like because you know because of your appearance of your yes. look very yeah very much so um appearances are very very important in the 80s and, and, and 90s for that matter. Well, and I think like, it ties it ties to the theme of of like what what you're talking about, you know. I mean, you you brought up some good points of the era which I think your listeners like oh, this yeah. this is why they 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 find, you know, um like you said in the beginning, if they happen to find this mm-hmm. uh, uh a podcast, mm-hmm. they it's a nostalgic thing and I think back in those days like even more so than today's world was less accepting especially oh. of people of, of immigrant cultures, but, oh but, gosh, but even, yeah, even, yes. even the quote unquote Americans who, who were born or bred in the United States and depending on where you lived, like Orange County, very, I guess, kind of conservative area, whatever it was, you had to look this way. And if you don't look that way, you can't date my daughter. And I think today's world, while that still exists, it, it it's much more that was accepting. A thi- that was a thing in the eighties. The eighties was and nineties was that you had to look and act a certain way or else you would have been, you have been like, you know, an outsider categorized in a certain way. And he was categorized as an outsider. He was categorized as a screw up Yeah, because he had an earring and he skateboarded. Yeah. Not that it doesn't exist today, but I feel like in today's world that that has less weight. I don't know. Not unless go, you know, didn't mean to, to, no, to deviate, I mean, but in, in, like I said, like we talked about earlier in today's world, if you're, if you're all right, if you're 40 and you have a 10 year old son and your son is skateboarding daily, you are like, now he might, he might be a screw up in other areas, but like, you're like, well, at least he fucking skateboards and gets outside and like does gets vitamin like, D. Yeah. Like, he's like in the sun. at least he's got that going for, you know, like. Yeah. So totally, dude. Nobody looks at a fucking skateboarder today and is like, "Look at that punk." Yeah, and that was that was the message that they were, you know, saying back then. Sure. All right, so we're about an hour into the movie, and we find out that Lawndale, the white guy uh, from earlier, he owns this uh, Westpac Medical Supply. Okay. 
So now we're going to start to kind of get into the, like, we're going to unpack a little bit of, like, what the fuck happened? Why was fucking uh, Vin killed in the first place? What the fuck is going on? Well, Westpac Medical Supply arranges the shipping for the Vietnamese Anti-Communist Relief Fund, which is run by Colonel Track, right? Brian breaks in, and he finds out that their ship so ostensibly... What this is, is this is a relief fund, an organization that is sending to Vietnam uh, medical supplies, right? Antibiotics and, you know, other like, you know, medical disposables, cotton swabs, things like that. Sure. Turns out, you know what they're, sell- you know what they're sending? What is it? They're sending fucking guns. Uh. <laughs> sending fucking guns and fucking Westpac Medical Supply and Colonel Track and... Lawndale are illegal arms dealers. <laughs> and we, we, we learn of this just then. We learn about this about one hour in. Okay. Because oh. Brian breaks in to Westpac Medical Supply and does it a little bit cleaner than Vinny because Vin got killed or Vin got caught and then got killed. Yeah. And so now, now he knows, now Brian knows that there's something definitely up between track and this other guy, and he organizes a second, he goes back to Westpac Medical Supply a second time, and this time he's doing it to, to set a trap. Okay? Okay. So he's kind of in with Track's daughter, Tina, and he you know, goes to their house, takes a lighter and a hat that belong to Colonel Track, sets this trap up where he you know, diverts, he's able to divert the two security guards by throwing fireworks in like the little construction house, right? The security guards run in, locks the door and then moves the blocks that's holding the little security trailer and they roll away. So security's out of the way. And then he had siphoned some gasoline into a gas tank (laughs) and he pushes it light lights, the end of, you know, lights, the, the strip of cloth, of course, hanging out of the gas tank, pushes it on the skateboard right into a propane tank. And it's classic eighties explosion. As soon as the skateboard touches the propane tank, massive explosion, (laughs) classic eighties explosion. Right, <clears throat> those I do miss because oh, those are so great. They they explosions were meaningful back mm-hmm. in back in those days. While while cheesy, they were they were real. explosions. They, exactly, they were real. They, they were, blew some shit up they, like on set. They fucking were real. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and he leaves the hat behind, the hat that he stole from Colonel Track. Yeah, a Los Angeles Rams hat before they moved to St. Louis and then back to L.A. That's right. <laughs> Um, and so now track and Lawndale are like pitted against one another. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and he also ropes Tina in, um, because Tina is found out that Brian stole this Zippo that, so at one point Brian steals a Zippo from Colonel track. And what's, what's the special about the Zippo? Well, it's got inscriptions on it. Okay, it's got an inscription on the Zippo, right? And so, and the inscription is in Vietnamese, okay? And so at one point, Tina 
sees the Zippo and is like, "This is my, this is my dad's." Yeah. He's like, "No, I got it at a surplus store." Like he's like, "No, it's was given to my father by the American ambassador to Vietnam. It's got his name inscripted on it." So Brian has to come clean and tell Tina what's going on. Sure. And when she when he does this, he kind of pits Tina against her dad, because then she goes to her dad and is like, "What's what happened to Vinny?" And what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Um, and at this point, Colonel Track tells Lawndale, is like, look, this has gone too far. Now my daughter's involved. Like, we can't just keep killing people who know about this. Right? Yeah. Because now my daughter knows. We're not going to kill her. So that's when, like, Colonel Track, who, you know, it, he doesn't ever seem like a real bad guy. He's just, like, he's trying to supply medicine to... Yeah, uh, Vietnamese people. Yeah, back in Vietnam. Hello, not 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 the South Africans back in right, Vietnam. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, 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 right. Well, it was um, good, to, good, good, good to clarify that, though. Nonetheless, thank you. Um, and then Lawndale, ha- you know, is an arms dealer, so he's shipping. You know, they're they're trying to supply, you know, guns to anti-communists back in Vietnam, guns and ammunition. So, um, but you know, Track tells Lawndale that this has gone too far. And then Lawndale gets on the aggressive, okay? So this is when the movie kind of picks up, and this is about the last 20 minutes or so. Lawndale gets on the aggressive, and he sends some people after uh, Brian. And then we get a little this scene where, where he's skateboarding along, and all of a sudden a couple of motorcyclists, right, a couple of thugs come, and they're going to try and get Brian, okay? And then we get what I have labeled as the escape skate, right? Because he's got to get he's got to escape. And it's easily my favorite scene of the movie because it's it we're 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 wrapping things up, but it takes place on the hills of like Irvine, California, wherever it is. You know, it's on you know it's on the streets. He's skating real fast, yeah. And he does he kind of like you know he leans down on the ground. He's got his skater gloves on, so he's like rubbing up against the asphalt. It's really cool. It's very cool scenes. It goes back to like. The roots of, or at least what what some may have thought was the roots of the movie in the beginning, like skateboarding and yeah. doing his thing. It's a very cool skateboard scene. Like huh. he can fucking tear shit up on a skateboard. So, 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 so just question, Andy. Forgive my ignorance, but, no, but wh- wh- where does Tony Hawk come into this? Was he just in the beginning, and that was kind of it, like a cameo? Or Dude, he's in the beginning. He is one of his cronies, right? He's not his like best friend. Yabo is his best friend, but he's one of his good friends, yeah. right? And he'll come in later. Um, but it's, it, so I, like, he's not really listed in the credits as like a skater, uh, as a skateboarding, you know, consult, but at this point he, you know, Tony Hawk is a thing. He's not the thing that he would be, you know, it, I think Tony Hawk became a, like, I don't know if you want to say cultural icon, but I mean, I think you could call him a cultural icon. I mean, skateboarding world for sure in the nineties. Like, yeah. But like, even like I never skateboarded. I didn't really associate with skateboarders. Yeah. Like that wasn't really my scene. Sure. Same. Right. But like at some point, like Tony Hawk, you know, he got the video game and he just, he did do, he did like ascent. Like, I mean, without Tony Hawk, there's no Sean white. No, like I think like Jackass, he's uh, white, uh, CYK, like, all, all those he was, CKY. He was just like, he took to me, he took skateboarding, completely mainstream absolutely 
absolutely. To the, actually, to your point, to where kids like me, who are, I also did never skateboarded. I sucked at it. One time I tried and I mm-hmm. ate shit, and that mm-hmm. was the last time I ever skateboarded. Right. I fell in the fall, like you said, like like felt in fucking asshole. But I did rollerblade. Nonetheless, like mid to late 90s on my PlayStation 1, rest assured, Tony Hawk was in Absolutely. heavy rotation after Absolutely. school. Absolutely. You and know, like, if for whatever reason I like bumped into Tony Hawk somewhere, you would recognize him. I like, would recognize him and I would fucking fangirl out. Totally. He's a celebrity, dude. Let's just call it what it is. Like but he was like, a celebrity. But he's also like a celebrity that like I really like I I, I just lo- like he's a du- he's a good dude. Right. Whatever he's done, like down to earth seems nice, yeah. Yeah. So so he's not really in it that much. I do think he's doing some stunt work in this. So this was not his b- break, but likely he was an aspiring skateboarder and got an in into a movie as kind of like a uh, uh, what do you call him? Like an extra? He was no. He was more than an extra. He was less than like what he is, what he became. But like he was definitely at this point like a recognizable figure in the skateboarding world. But before this film, or this yes. film. Yeah, yeah, before okay. this film. People, yeah. People, people who knew, knew skateboarding him. knew who this guy yes. was when they saw him, yes. basically. Yes. Okay. Um, they read in a magazine they got once a week in the mail that they waited for all day. Remember those days you can just go online and search something. You waited for the the, the skateboard monthly, weekly, whatever Thrasher. whatever magazine. Thrasher. Thrasher there was you go. the magazine. Right. I had, I had the, <laughs> a few years later in junior high and high school, I had the metal one that I would mm-hmm. wait for every week, like Metal Hammer and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. feeling of waiting, that, that's also a nostalgic 80s, 90s thing to me, like waiting for the magazine to come. So that's probably how those kids recognized him. Oh man, that, it's, at some point, like, and I didn't, you know, touch on this in the investigation, but like, or like in the movie, but at some point when he's investigating Bobby Wynn, he looks, you know, he has to look up where Bobby Wynn lives in the fucking yell, in yellow the phone pages, book. white pages. Yeah. Like, I remember that. Remember when they were outside your door in a bag, like in the neighborhood, I remember they would bring him once a year. And like, that was a thing. Like, you know, in the nineties, you know, in like the mid nineties when I was like 14, 15, 16, 17 years old and like able to do my own shit. Right. If I wanted to do something, find something like I had to fucking look it up in the phone book. Or 444 film. I know you remember that. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Did yes. they have that in the 80s at the time of this movie, or was that after that? No, in the 80s of this two movie, you would, get the, you would get the newspaper, right? And you would look in the arts and section, or the, the like arts and culture section of the newspaper, right? Where they had like your like seven or eight theaters, that were within a you know a ten mile radius of your yeah, house, yeah. and they would have the the theater listings showtimes. of the showtimes. Yeah, yeah. So if you didn't have that day's paper, you'd have to call your buddy who does. Or yeah. I mean, but my dad, being my dad, uh, he is a he is a newspaper reader. He had the Dallas Morning News every still day. Still does. Though. Still does. One of those few that left. Oh, there's something to be said about that. And like I have a subscription to the Dallas Morning News, and I read it on my phone, like a, like a normal person. Don't you get that for free? I uh, mean, we're debating, but the, I, I. Dallas Morning News? Yeah, like the oh, news. It's the newspaper. Right, but if you go to DallasMorningNews.com, you don't have to pay for that. No, you do. For what? The premium content? No, it's the newspaper. It's still a paywall. Okay, because I read shit on there that's. Yeah, there. there's, there's free articles. Yeah, okay. I like to support journalism. No, 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 and I think it's important. In <laughs> fact, I miss newspapers. The other day, I had to go to the bathroom without a phone, and I did not know what to do with myself. But that, oh. that's, a, that's a different story. No, what it's did not. we do then? No, I don't know. I... Without a new- newspaper. All right, so uh, Brian has escaped. He's done this this epic escape skate where he's going down hills. He's making very cool turns. He's leaning. 
back and rubbing it, you know, and, you know, he's got his skater gloves, you know, rubbing against the asphalt. Very cool. Um, but his board is trashed. Yabo makes him a new board, right? Because now, now the game is on, right? The, 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 the game is afoot. Um, and so Brian has, you know, this is, we're wrapping things up and Brian's got his plan. He needs a new board. Um, and Yabo makes it and it's like super sleek and super cool. Um, just make, you know, whips it up in his bunker bedroom. And then Yabo rounds up the guys, which is a very 80s trope thing to do. Very <laughs> totally. 80s thing to Just do. Just the way you said it, too, rounding up the you gotta guys. You got to round up the guys. The gang, man. yeah. You, you got to get the gang together, right? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and it, 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 in the treehouse. It's, it's him and Luch- it's It's Brian and Lucero. Lucero's, you know, working the phones with his detectives, and Brian's working the phones with his skater buddies. Okay. So we're in this fun one last pursuit. Okay. And Brian has gotten Yabo to round up all the guys. The guys are all rounded up. And Tony Hawk in this movie like works for Pizza Hut. He's a like a delivery driver. So Pizza Hut had an inn in there, I'm sure. And well, they, you sure. <laughs> it's Pizza Hut. So we've got this final, you know, uh basically Lawndale has he he's you know he he's Lawndale and Track are they've figured out that their plan is run out. Lawndale has a gun, shoots Track in the chest. He ends up dying. Jeez, um, lots of dead people in this movie. There's there are like yeah, there's quite a few. I tell you, there's for like a skateboard movie. There's a lot of murder. <laughs> it's very murdery yeah, skateboard yeah, movie. Yeah, which. This is the thing. The the again, not to we steal get, your we thunder. Get, we get we get Vin. Vin yeah. gets murdered. Bobby gets murdered. Yeah. Uh, and Colonel Track gets murdered. When you sent me this today, and again, putting my ignorance aside, you look at it as a skateboarding movie. And I'm sure that was the feeling. I would assume that the feeling of the yeah. viewer back in 1989, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm going to see a skateboarding movie, but then it gets kind of murderous. It kind of gets a little murdery, a little investigation. Do you think people knew that that's what they were headed into when they went to go see that movie in 1989 in the local theater? Uh, well, let's see. Let's let's just do a quick let's do a quick deviation. Probably, I mean, they had an idea. Um, the, the trailer does not like not, like the, does not like it. It shows you're headed into some kind of thriller, I suppose, or drama or whatever you want to call it, but right. not murder, dude. So we have an estimated budget of ten million dollars, which in that that time money is like a billion dollars. There, no, <laughs> it's still very 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 low. Low, yeah. Uh, and we grossed two million. So it lost a shitload of money. Lost a shitload of money. People got fired for this. People got fired. We have Lawndale and this chicken race. He's taken, he shoots, uh, shoots track, shoots track, Colonel track, and then he takes Tina hostage and then grabs the first guy he sees, which is like some other Vietnamese kid just walking up to uh, Colonel track's house, grabs him. They steal detective Lucero's squad car. um, And then, there's this weird chicken race that occurs between the kid, the the Lawndale and and the uh, Tony Hawk and the group, um, and then we get Brian now on the pursuit of Lawndale, oh. and he hooks and you know he skateboards his way onto the freeway, right? Which if we're in Orange County, we're either talking about the five or the four hundred five. I know this because my wife is from the Orange County. That's right. Um, and then he 
latches on. He he grabs the side of a Corvette. So 80s. Did you see this? No. Oh, but man. I, but I, I, hearing you talk, I, I can. So he's holding see the scene on in my to head. a Corvette because the the cop car that uh, Lawndale and this you know this hostage and and Tina have have taken mm-hmm. hits the cop hits the Corvette and the guy in the Corvette's like, oh, right, what's going on? And uh, Brian goes up and says, hey, that guy that hit you, he's not a cop. He's like, no shit. And so Brian goes, well, let's go get him. He's like. Thanks, kid. And speeds off. And Brian's holding on. And it's an awesome scene. Yeah. You know, you're basically thinking that he's like holding on to a Corvette going like 80 miles an hour. Now, the guy, the Corvette guy, Corvette guy is important because he is now, this is a new podcast, new title. We're the leftover crap. Thank you for listening. (laughs) But we're going to keep what I like to call the Robert Picardo Efficiency Award winner. Okay. This is the person that's in the movie the least amount of time that kicks the most ass. Okay? Got it. Named, it originally was the Burke Award winner. Okay. Named after Burke from the character from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Okay. But then for Greg's 40th birthday, I bought him a cameo from Robert Ricardo. <laughs> and we agreed that in the cameo, he said that he should change, that we should change the name of the Burke efficiency award winner to the Robert Ricardo efficiency award winner. (laughs) And when Robert Ricardo tells you that you fucking do it. (laughs) Robert Ricardo here. And I understand from Andy, it's your 40th birthday. Happy birthday. He's told me you're a big fan of me as Giorgio in back to school in which I had one line. However, I did get to, um, to, to uh, feel up Adrian Barbeau in four other scenes that were cut out. So it wasn't a bad job. And also a big fan of mine uh, from The Burbs, uh, where I have about six or eight lines. But the cool story about The Burbs is I wrote that scene. It was during the writer's strike, but I'm not in the writer's guild. So the scene wasn't very funny. So I wrote the scene that you see in the movie between me and Dick Miller. Don't tell anyone. Now, I understand you co-host an 80s movie pod called... Kuatos Rebellion. If I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry, but I did the best I could. But I'd like to suggest that you change the name of the Burke Efficiency Award to the Robert Picardo Award. It just sounds better, don't you think? Anyway, a very happy 40th birthday from Giorgio in Back to School and from Garbage Man Number 2 in the Burbs. Cheers. Mm. I'm very good to you. So... Corvette guy is also his name, Buddy Joe Hooker, and he is also the stunt coordinator of this movie. So we get this awesome stunt with uh, Brian holding on to Corvette guy, right? We get a massive auto jump because Lucero's in pursuit also, and he's driving this like Oldsmobile Cutlass with the door ripped off. <laughs> and we get, for whatever reason, he like flies over, you know, like the classic. Just like slow mo the little dude, bit. Yeah. It is like the biggest fucking auto jump you can yeah, imagine. Yeah. It's like it's almost like they had a template in the 80s. Like like mix engineers here have templates oh. for their mixes. They had to slow down a certain way, and you know you're headed into some like big fuck off big car scene. All right. Uh he's still Brian's still holding on to the Corvette, meets up with Pizza Hut truck that's driven by Tony Hawk. He actually skateboards underneath a 18-wheeler, hooks up yeah. with them. They take down Lawndale. They get hooked up. They 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 get it all under control. 
Lawndale goes to prison. Brian's got a little scrape on his uh, cheek and a broken wrist from a massive high-flying stunt that they do. Uh, and then he's in the hospital. And Do we know how much time Lawndale got in prison? Or he just kind of go like goes to prison. No, he just goes. He just goes away. He goes away. Uh, we we have uh, Tina visiting Brian in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, like I don't know, maybe I don't know, three, four, five, six weeks have transpired. Tina's lost her boyfriend and her father. Right. That's pretty heavy shit. And yeah. yet at the same time, like him and Brian are talking, their hands are on one another. It's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the end of the movie. You know, they're like, you know, when I get out of here, let's, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out together yeah. in terms of like the rest of their life. And then we get fu- the final credits skate. So then we get the credits and then we get a final like skateboard scene of them, like skating through the construction scene during the credits. And that's gleaming the fucking cube. That and, is gleaming the cube. And I love that it ends in the roots of what the movie starts, right. which is a skateboarding right, movie and not a heavy do. murder movie with people losing their family. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in many, many movies, it would be, I lost my boyfriend, I lost, or girlfriend, I lost my dad, um, yet we go back to skateboarding. Right. Interesting. And that's it. That's gleaming the cube. It's... Uh, I learned something new today, Andy. And what did and, you learn? Well, I learned that it's not all that bad in the cheesy 80 movies uh, world. I mean, and I say that sarcastically, and I also say that, like, sincerely. You know, obviously there is meaning in the big explosions. There is meaning in the, I smuggle weapons to communist, you know, communist Vietnam. There's, I love the underlying that you kind of picked out here. Um, obviously very meticulous in the notes. And, and I think that it's a movie that I probably should watch. And it makes me think that there are probably many other movies like this that you haven't talked about yet that I should watch. So many movies. But, you know, here, here's, here's my perspective. Um, because you have a very different take, right? You You didn't know this movie, didn't know it, you know, watch it for the first time, you know, doing, going about your daily life. Right. So, um, with a three hour warning, I have to throw that in there, but, but <laughs> I did my best, but like, <laughs> you know, it is, it is a very B movie, very low budget. Look at the numbers, right? Look at the yeah. numbers. Right. But like when it came across my screen for the first time in 1989 or 1990 on, you know, HBO or Showtime, like we don't like when you're that young, you don't know B movie from A movie. You're just no. like if it's a fucking movie, it, it like a lot went into it. And you caught skateboards and stuff probably, and then maybe that picture attention. So like watching it today, I was like, oh, like just that opening intro. I was like, oh my god, this is the cheapest intro I've ever seen in my life. Like this is a shit movie, but it's got a fucking killer cast. Yeah, it's got it's got Christian Slater, it's got Stephen Bauer, it's got fucking Ed Lauder, who's who, been in everything. Who they wrecked it and, and uh, produced it again? Oh, geez, nobody. Like nobody's. That person never found a job in Hollywood afterwards. Or? I mean, there was a lot of cocaine that was involved. <laughs> yeah, there was I would a assume a lot of fucking. You know. Yeah, some guy. Grant Graham Clifford. Hey, cl- click on him real quick. Let's right. let, let's just see. I'm interested in this. So he was the editor of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's got 25 director credits. 
mostly TV. He's like, you know, he's a career guy. He's a career Hollywood he, guy. He must be deceased or retired because in 2007, it just stops. Born, well, I was born in 42, so he's probably retired at this point. But yeah. just, a, you know, he, he directed know. a lot of television. Australian. He's from Australia. Interesting. So that is okay. the first episode of The Leftover Crap, formerly known as Quato's Rebellion. Starring Andy Goodman and sitting in for Greg Bailey, Tall Spear. Um, and, Pleasure. you know, check us out on Instagram. Um, we're still the we're still Quato's Rebellion. I got to figure out. How to get you can it. rename on Instagram. I think I was going to ask you that. Yeah, 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 you can do that. And you sh- and I think you should. Um, mm-hmm. This is fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We love talking fun. about eighties movies. We love talking about nineties movies. I love anything nostalgic. I love anything. That has kind of a retro vibe to it. It's just kind of like that's you know, as I go through my daily life, it's do kind of, do audience like does your audience because I know you've got you know some people that you've got regular hi, listeners Greg. and 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 Greg hey and I think and I think and I think they'll you know they'll they'll continue listening. The question I have is, do your I guess do do you ever get people, you know, giving you recommendations, sending you things on like what movies you should review next or discuss or topics or oh, do yeah. you leave it open to the audience? Well, you know, like like I said, like it's been a long time. Um but yes, we used to get a lot we used to get, you know, some a pretty decent flow of recommendations. Yeah. It would be people texting us or people you know, sh- you know just put, you know on Facebook or Instagram, they just say, you know, do this, do this, do this, you know, whatever. Um but yes, so honestly, like Greg, um, hi Greg, has a great ability to just like pick things out of the ether and be like, let's do this. And I'm like, fuck it, let's let's do it. Yeah. Um, this movie came on, it was on Hulu like two weeks ago when I caught the last 10 minutes of it. Yeah. And I was like, this is what we're fucking doing. And that was likely, if I was to guess, the first time you've seen any part of oh, it yeah. in what, like I saw 25, the, I, 30 years? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the first time I'd seen it since at least twenty years. Yeah, and saw it, and saw like the 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 you know him skating, you know, and leaning down and taking a tight turn, rubbing his you know <laughs> fucking gloved hand on the yeah, asphalt. Yeah. And I was like, "Fuck yes, we're watching Gleaming the Fucking Cube." When you know, you know, dude, <laughs> and you knew, and you knew. No, this was fun. Thank you guys, or thank you for yeah, coming so over. So we're gonna do this every two weeks. Um, we have the most amazing fucking recording studio uh, ever. Uh, I feel blessed to be here. Hashtag blessed. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we appreciate it. So check us out. Leave us a review. Uh, we'll get all the fucking social media going. And uh, it's just a great time. We just love fucking hanging out, talking about old movies that we've watched, that we continue to watch. Um, they're a lot of fun. They're quick. Uh, it's great. And, you know, send us a message, you know, whatever you want to do. Love so, it. Love it. Uh, Tall for uh, Greg for Greg Bailey. Sitting in, Tall Spear, my name is Andy Goodman, and we are The Leftover Crap.